Welcome, folks, to another edition of Desperately Sleeping Entertainment. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Peterson. Happy, as always, that you're joining us. Uh, this podcast is, by the way, gaining steam. Uh, the numbers are through the roof, Ben, by the way. Yay. I just want to make sure I mention that. Ben Frawley, ladies and gentlemen, my co-host, glad to have you with us, my friend. What's going on? What's up, Chris? What's up, people around the internet? It's good to hear that people are tuning in. Uh, you know, someone asked me, actually, I was talking to someone about the pod and they're like, how do you guys generate like steam? And I was like, you know, we got to talk about the weirdest randomest shit. Didn't you tell me like one of the biggest pods that we have is like the Mr. Bungle pod that I just, you know, <laughs> right. I, just, I was like, just the more random stuff, yep. you know, my old podcast, you know, the live dude swearing podcast, uh, I talked about faster pussycat kill kill on there. Mm-hmm. And then we got uploaded to the RussMeyer.com, <laughs> Russ Meyer's website, like RussMeyerFanClub.com. And that thing it still gets hits today. So you just got to talk about random, weird stuff that no one knows. Yep. And that's what we do, Chris. We talk about ra- weird, random stuff. That's what we do. That's it. That's it. I love it. And folks, if this is the first time you're joining us, what Ben and I like to do is break down some interesting things that we've seen or heard or listened to. Um in the world of entertainment over the past couple of weeks and we bring it to the pod, but I have no idea what Ben's bringing to the table. He's got no idea what's on my mind either. So everything you're hearing is unplanned, nothing written down. We're just going with it. And it's a genuine conversation. It's like you're hanging out with us for about an hour, which is the best time ever. Yeah, so yeah. Ben, kick it off, kick it off this week, man. What do you got? All right, Chris, first of all, we got to talk about sports. Yeah. All right. So listen, I, I like to get hyped up for the beginning of the podcast, but, and usually I am. But I'm going to tell you, folks, I'm an actor. That was all an act. Me getting excited because there's been a hard edge about me for the past two days. Like this, this uh, at work and at home, there's a little edge, little edge. Watch mm-hmm. out for me, right? A little prickly, all right? And it's because these GD Red Sox <laughs> couldn't win a game to save their life. We couldn't beat the Orioles. We couldn't sweep the Orioles. We couldn't, we couldn't, oh. We should, you know, Chris, like we said, not even supposed to be here today. We are one hour away from the Red Sox and Yankees one-game playoff. Chris, where where are you at emotionally? I'm. You know where I'm at. I'm right back. I feel like I'm a junior, senior in college. It's 2003, 2004, and I am just filled with pent-up anxiety, anger, joy. Like it's, it's, I'm in this mode of like, if I see someone like supporting the Yankees on Facebook, I just want to like, you know, tell them off. Um, Like, it's just, I feel like I'm right back there again when, when this rivalry was at its peak. Um, and I, and I hate this feeling, I, it's like, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and you and I, let's be honest, we, you and I have been spoiled when it comes to Red Sox. Um, I mean, we, we really have, we really we live through, we live through the pain of Oh three and Aaron freaking blue Boone's, uh, walk off. Nice. Um, but since then it's been just a joyous four ring, uh, you know, ridiculousness. Um, but it, it's yeah. It, it fe- I'm in this weird mode where I hate feeling this way, but I love feeling this way. But I, I also hate it. I mean, it's it's a weird feeling. But, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where, and you mentioned where it's like, ah, oh, we're not even supposed to be here. You know, and I look at it two ways. One, yes, we should have wrapped yeah. this thing up much earlier, and this shouldn't have been even be a thing. And then at the same time, I say to myself, you know, I I going into this season, I had no expectations whatsoever. And this team has like 
completely blown my expectations out out of the water. So also I'm kind of like, we maybe shouldn't even be here. So should I be happy? And if we lose tonight, Hey, it's a step forward and, and then get amped for next year. I don't know. How are you feeling? Terrible. I'm feeling terrible. <laughs> I really am. You know, my dad's texting me trying to get me excited, but Chris, I don't care. And our friend of the pod, Josh Tonner is texting me. I don't care if we have 20 runs up going into the seventh inning <laughs> or even the eighth or the ninth. I don't care if it's 20 to zero Red Sox. This bullpen is so suspect, <laughs> so suspect. To put it in the words of the, the immortal Ben Affleck, you're suspect. This I'm putting them on blast. This thing they're they're so suspect, and Nathan Evaldi's suspect. Last time he pitched the Yanks, he gave up like what was it five in the first or yeah. something. If we get through the first three and it's like we only give them three, I'll be like, all right, we got a shot here, but. I don't know. Like, I read an article, and this was, I think it was USA Today, and they kind of went back and forth. You know, who has the advantage? You know, they said the Red Sox have the defensive advantage, and the Yankees have the offensive advantage now. Um, They have the pitching advantage. They definitely have the bullpen advantage. Like, it was like, but they still favor the Red Sox at the end of the article, and I'm like, okay. Like, I don't know. Is that a a Vegas thing or something? I don't know, Chris. I I think I'm with you in that camp that, Chris, when the season started, I, I didn't know who was going to be pitching for the team. I Like, I <laughs> had no idea. Like, they didn't even announce the starters. We were, like, cruising through spring training with, like, three guys pitching. And I was like, <laughs> what is going on here? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I Hopefully there's a master plan, and maybe they just kind of said, all right, well, you know, it's a we'll just take the second half as a rebuild or something. But, I just feel like they had the opportunity to get some people during the all-star break and they didn't. Um, and I mean, if we, if we make it out tonight, I'll be happy. I'll be happy if we make it out tonight. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. That's my go. expectation. I, there you go. Yeah. If, if we do this game and we lose the first, I'll be like, you know what? We made the playoffs, dude. Like, that's amazing. Like, I can't yep. believe with this team, we made the playoffs and I, I'll be really happy. Now, Chris, let's talk about these Yankees fans. Okay. Oh God. Do we have to? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Because I think on the podcast, I went off a little, you know, when like they were trailing us by three. And and so here's the deal with fanship. Okay, Chris, mm-hmm. I've known you for a long time. You know, our yep. friend Josh for a long time. We're all Red Sox fans. My my dad, we're, you know us, right? Mm-hmm. Even people that are Yankees fans know we're Red Sox fans. There's no question about it. I feel like these people come out of the woodwork. Now, a couple podcasts ago, I was like, you know, when there were two games back, the, these people started wearing all these Yankees hats. All of a sudden, there's these Aaron Judge shirts. The guy was batting like 186 all season. All of a sudden, he's heating up. I get it. Go get a shirt. It's fine. But then I feel like these people that don't know anything about baseball, you know, they're probably watching tonight. It's good for the sport. It's great. But I think they go like, hey, Google, can you tell me the top 10 things to say to a Red Sox fan to piss them off? <laughs> and then they just <laughs> listen to what she says. She Chris, there's people coming up to me today and they were saying the Bucky Dent name. They were saying all this awful shit to me. And I was like, you don't know what that is. You uh, right. Shut up. Shut your mouth. Like, right. and they, like, you know who Aaron Boone is? They're like, yeah, he's the manager of the Red Sox. It's like, that's right. You don't know anything. You, shut your mouth. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, Chris, do you, do you face that on a daily basis? You know, 
not on a daily basis, thankfully. I mean, you know, a lot of the, um, uh, you know, fans, Yankee fans that I know are of an older generation that truly do understand and, and know nice. everything nice. and, um, and whatnot. But um, I think it's because I, I've probably experienced young, stupid fans and I've tried to, like, you know, push them aside. I mean, I, I love it when every now and then I, I brag about, you know, my, the four rings that I've experienced in the past, you know, almost 20 years. Right. And I, I still get hit with the, yeah, well, it's not 27 or however many rings the Yankees have. I'm like, yeah. Did you really enjoy the 1917, 1923 run that you guys had? Well, that was a good one. Right. Um, Like, give me a break. No one, <laughs> you know, yes. Is it, you know, my grandfather. Yeah. He could brag about being a Yankees fan when he was, you know, growing up in the forties and fifties and sixties, whatever. Um, there, there is nothing that a 20 year old. Yeah. Like a 20, you know, 2021, 20, you know, 21 year old Yankee fan um, really has to brag about. You've got one title in 20 years, um, which you could say was a, you know, a weak title because you were playing weak teams all the way through, whatever. Um, and uh <laughs> Like and and yet you've had the number one payroll in the in the sport pretty much for the entire time and you couldn't put together a World Series winning team. Meanwhile, we just kind of Red Sox have just kind of stumbled upon World Series rings. I mean, I had no like 04 was our year. Like that was that was there was no doubt that was gonna happen. But like all the other times that we we made these runs, like I had no expectation that like going in that we're gonna this is our year, like oh eight, like eleven, eight. I was like, you know, who I don't know, like oh my gosh, we're in the World Series. Great, that's just how we do. That's just how we do in Boston. Right. So right. um I I I despise Yankee fans. I despise like inspired Yankee fans that are like excited oh. and look at this team as being like you know, like there's nothing worse than I hate when like a Yankee fan says like, "Oh, these boys are so gritty." Like they're so, like, oh, oh. yeah, they're they're the underdogs. I hate that. you can oh, never. The God. Yankees can never have an underdog team ever. They can never. Oh yeah, look at this underdog. He just gets paid three hundred million dollars a year or whatever. It's like, right. Like Yankees, the Yankees, and I'd say now by extension the Dodgers. Like if with the payroll that they have, if they're not winning the World Series every single year, you're a failure. It's a failure. You failed. Um, now the Red Sox, you know, they've got probably the second largest payroll. Right. In, right. I know. Sport. But that we're but we're not the first. So there you go. We it allows us some some freedom there. But um, no, I I can't stand Yankee fans, especially when they they get. Rowdy and and happy entitled 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 is yeah. Uh, yeah like, like Kendrick Lamar says you know I hate people when they're entitled it's just right. yeah I mean we all <laughs> he must be talking about know, Yankees fans <laughs> we all know that all Yankee fans are Republicans and they're all racists they're all, all Trumps terrible. Trumpers they're all they Trump, Trump people like we all know that like it's we no all secret. know that we right. all it's no secret like you you know that's it you know if you were if 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 you were a good person living in New York you'd be a Mets fan I'll put it that way or um it's like exactly you know what yeah it's just like you know it i live up in central new york i know listen i love new york state i love living up here i love it right and and you chris you've been up here you know central new york is kind of this own rural kind of cool community it's awesome you know it's not like Mm -hmm. when people think of new york they think of the city but no we have our own stuff up here it's great and um you know fried cheese curds yada 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 good stuff and 
you know, Mets fans to me are like the Buffalo Bill fans around here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And since New England's kind of in a rebuilding phase, uh, football-wise, I'm okay. And it's, I'm cheering for Buffalo up here. It's okay, kind of nice. Yeah, have your, have your day. Exactly. Right, exactly. It, like, these guys that I've I've known for years wearing this Buffalo gear, God bless them. You know what I mean? They haven't won anything. <laughs> like, right. in, in anything ever. You know what I mean? And we all watch those awful Cowboys games. I couldn't imagine... Living up here in this state and watching like Aikman just own you, like uh, that'd be devastation, you know, wide right, the whole thing. And so, you know, Mets and Buffalo Bills fans, I'm with it. You know, if you say anything but Yankees, if it's like, oh, I'm from Seattle, I love the Mariners, like, oh, that's cool, man. Like, or I'm from Canada, I love the Jays. Yeah, whatevs, you know what I mean? Even in the same division, cool, I don't care. But man, these Yankees, you know, also. let me, yeah. let, me, let me just say there, this, too. For anybody who lives, I would say, above Poughkeepsie, why are you a Yankees fan? They don't care about you. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't like you. I, last time I checked, they don't do a parade in the streets of Albany or Syracuse or, Bing, no. or, or Rochester. No. They, don't, they could care less. So what are you a Yankees right. fan for? You should be a, you should why, be a why Blue Why aren't you like a Pittsburgh fan. or Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Pirates or Phillies? Yeah, Phillies right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll take Cleveland at this point. Cleveland is right. I've driven to Cleveland from here. You've yeah. driven to Cleveland. Look, there's no or Cincinnati Reds. No. Cincinnati. Thank yeah. you. It's ridiculous. Yeah, there you go. It's, now, well, if you're you a know, Red Sox fan living in upstate New York, that's fine, by the way. All right. Yeah, that's, that's fine. fine. Well, though, Chris, wait. What's the cutoff? Uh, you know how we had that baseball talk earlier in the season and my neighbor yeah. <laughs> went nuts because he's a Rangers fan? So what's the cutoff? You know how you were talking about the Midwest garbage teams? What's the cutoff there? So is it Cincinnati Reds and over or – are they on the cusp? <laughs> I'd say they're on the cusp. Like Royals, so, Royals maybe. Like that's, ooh. yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. Rangers, cusp, and then it's just garbage, garbage, garbage. And then like LA or something. LA, How far I do guess. we go? <laughs> like oh, you're on the edge. Sense. Like is, <laughs> does like Muscle Beach have a team or Venice? <laughs> <laughs> like how far are we going? LA. Uh, the Baja yeah. Desert. <laughs> like Sandman or something like that. I don't know. Oh, not Vegas, a bad team. Name. Does Vegas have a baseball team yet? I don't know. Um, I don't, you got to move one of those garbage teams out there. Just like Arizona. they did the Raiders. Look at the Raiders. It's fun to watch. The Vegas is right there. Vegas, the great stadium. Vegas is a sports town. It's a sports town now. They go nuts for their It's a sports town for hockey. hockey team. You know oh. what I mean? It's freaking awesome. Yeah. All right. Anyway. anyway, Chris, good luck, sir. You know what I mean? I feel yep. good because I didn't talk shit to Yankees fans today. So I'm a firm believer in the jinx. Um, I'm looking right up on my phone as we were talking. We are the underdogs tonight uh, as far as Vegas odds, but not by much. So here we go. Here we go. Let's do it. Well, speaking of uh, Buffalo. Yes. Because you brought it up. Yes. And I was actually going to talk about Buffalo this week. No joke. Um, so I'm back on the road traveling for my work. And mm-hmm. I got to spend two straight weeks in Buffalo, New York, a place that All I've right. been, yeah, never been there before. Um. And uh, was up there and had a great time. It was it was great, and um, you know it, I was there during the home opener for the Bills, and they were playing the Steelers. So there were a ton of Steeler fans throughout the city as well. Yeah. And you know what? It's it looked like everybody got along. Like I was in a pretty mm-hmm. big hotel, and I was expecting after the game, especially since the Bills lost, that it was going to be like a rowdy like scene. No, no, it was very it was fun. Everybody was kind of cordial with one another. Um, so that was cool. But the thing I want to talk about is I go up to Buffalo and I asked before I went up there, I said, okay, 
Uh, we all know Buffalo wings are named after Buffalo, New York. Of course, of course. So I said, where do I need to go to experience the Buffalo wing? Like, I'm in the place, the town that it's named after. There's got to be a signature place. Everybody and their mother told me, you got to go to Anchor Bar. That's Mm -hmm. the place that you got to go. So I was like, all right. So I did it. And I went, even though, so I didn't know this, but Anchor Bar has multiple locations all over the city. They're actually Oh, that's different. I haven't been there since, uh, for a while, like 2005. So it's been a minute. So. Okay. So yeah. So there's at least four of them. Okay. One of, one of them is actually in the Buffalo airport. So you can actually go and have Anchor Bar in the Buffalo airport. So um, I go to the original location though. I was like, okay, nothing against the subsidiaries, but let me go to the OG. Did that. I said, I looked at the waitress. I said, give me like, what is like, give me the signature thing. Like, I don't want the, the sauce to be, right. yeah, I, don't give me it too hot, too, too mild. Like, give me what is the signature concoction. And she gave me it and I started eating to it. And I got to be honest with you. It was okay. It was all right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, ha- I've had better wings. Um, I've had better wings at places that have no business having better wings than the place that's known for yeah. being <laughs> the wings. Let's get into it, Chris. Okay, let's Chris, get into let's this. get into this discussion. Okay, so, so Ben, Chris, go ahead. Did you go have ahead. did did you have wings when we took you to the Backroads Tavern up here? I did. I did. Those are the kind of places where you want wings. Now. Right. I want to hear your theory. So Backroads, it's in Wampsville, New York, right? Mm-hmm. So, and their food, and let me just let me just plug, I love the Backroads. And when you look at the Backroads, it shouldn't be that good inside. You go in there, it shouldn't be that good inside. And that food is spectacular. Didn't we have, did we get the nachos too? We got the nachos. We got, we got everything. Yeah, it was great. Amazing food, dude. And it's like the smallest, littlest place. Now, what's your theory on why... Kind of like oh. hole in the wall divey bars have the best wings. What's the theory you got going on? Uh, you know, I think it's number one, I think it's the size of your menu. I think a place because okay. the problem with Anchor Bar is their menu is gigantic, by the way. It's like, yeah, they do wings, but they also do a ton of other stuff as well. It's not, oh. not as expansive as like, you know, Cheesecake Factory, but like they're doing like pulled pork sandwiches, they're doing all these other. I'm like, Okay, like I'm just like wow, wow, like if you know, why don't you just do, like have like five dishes? You know, you got like five right. choices, all of them are done spectacularly well and things like that. So I think the menu's too big, so they're spreading themselves thin. Secondly, I think the problem is is that because they tout themselves as being this amazing place, which by the way, the second you walk into a restaurant and you see a merchandise table like them selling merch, you know yeah. you're like okay, this I'm in for something here, because I think they're with the hype and them crediting themselves, they put <clears throat> their their this level of expectation of, of what these wings are gonna be like. And you know, for me, the problem really even wasn't even the 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 way that the wings were cooked because they were crispy, like they they were fine. Mm-hmm. It mm. was the sauce. It was like really yeah. was like it was just, just your traditional Tabasco and butter? traditional no traditional buffalo wing sauce tabasco butter i mean whatever it was i said yeah. give me the give me the signature right not one decibel level above you know like mediums where you exactly. were traditionally medium yeah exactly and it was just it was okay i mean i've had better wings at, at tgf fridays 
Oh, and wow. I feel yeah. Oh, wow, that's a slam, Chris. Like I, I've had better wings. I mean, don't worry, Hooters is known for their wings, so you know they they have a a rifle. Oh, and that's a different type of wing. We're gonna get into it because that's a di- that's the breading on those. Yeah, is almost but it's like, almost a fried chicken wing, and then with the sauce on. You know what right, I mean? You're right. You're right. But like, here's a good example: Buffalo Wild Wings has, I thought, better wings than Anchor Bar. Like, I could go to a Buffalo Wild Wings in Orlando, Florida. And have better wings there right. than I did in Buffalo, New York, which is just weird um, to say out loud. Well, it's is like, it now is ahead. it because we are now in 2021? I mean, the original Buffalo wing didn't happen until like the 70s, 80s, or something like that. Right. Um, is it because we're jaded now? I know in your area, Maybe. in Connecticut, I mean, there's some fabulous wing places. But here's, you know, I'm so glad you asked this because. The problem that I have, though, is if we if we cross over to other food groups, so like let's say pizza, I have never had a better slice of pizza than at Pepe's in New Haven, Connecticut, which is considered by and large the best pizza in the country. And right. I've gone all over the country and I've had the New York style type of pizza in yep. you know L.A., in Detroit, Chicago, even Chicago. We, um, Chris, Central New York, we got some nice pizza up here. I mean, some, I'm sure you do. And I, I know just, I've had Pepe's, and I know it's different. I know it's different, and it's all right. about preference. But, you know, and I've had the worst pizza of all time, too. But uh, <laughs> now, and I, you know, I hate to slam, you know, uh, I think on the podcast I slammed Ohio. But let's bring it on back to Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania has the worst pizza of all time. You're right. It is white bread with ketchup on it. It is the worst thing ever. I've had better, like, what what are they, Mrs. T's instant pizzas that you put in the toaster oven? Oh, oh God. That shit is better than any. Pennsylvania has the worst pizza pie of all freaking, of of the universe. I I swear Mm. I can go to, like, Taiwan and be like, you guys know American? I'm American. Do you have pizza pizza? And they would make me something that tastes pretty comparable. Freaking Pennsylvania, one time, we were out and about all day watching March Madness, and we're so hungry, starving. We finally get to a, an actual – this place was a pizza place, and it had mm. a bar, so we were watching the games. So it's not like I went to a restaurant and ordered pizza. This is a pizza joint. Mm-hmm. This pizza came to our thing, and you could tell it tasted like those pre-made Walmart things that are just filled with oh. sodium. Oh. But even those are better than this because there was nothing on this pizza. It was barely had cheese on it, barely had sauce on it, and it was like that spongy. It was like a sponge. And I, I exactly took one bite, about. I put it down, and I go, I'm all set. And it was just like terrible, dude. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. So what do you so, say? What do you say? So what do you say? The So I, your review I, I is bad. Message- so what's the peak? What's the... What's your wing pinnacle? Oh my gosh. Apex Mountain for wings. <laughs> there it is. Um, oh my God. You know, it's, yeah, this is it. So anytime I'm in Westchester, New York, um, mm. I, I order from this, this place. And Ben, this is how good yeah. this place is with its wings. I don't even know that. I can't even remember the name of the place, but I know like, when I'm in Westchester and I go on like Grubhub or Postmates or something like that, I just see their logo, I, like a like a like a you know reflex, 
Like I could, I could have had wings like, the day before. Like the bat signal. It's like yeah. a bat signal, but it's a giant chicken wing. <laughs> it's 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 definitely someplace that's like something something tavern. I can't remember what it is, yeah. but like if I see their logo on my my Grubhub or Postmates or whatever, instant I go, I click it once, I scroll down, jumbo wings. Um, I get an order of thirty because I just mm. know that I'm gonna just plow through these things. Um, and they come and my god the first of all you know you've got a good wing when like you, it, you got to hold it with like two hands that's that's number one like when you got a good size yeah. wing yeah and you, yeah. you it takes two hands to hold on to this thing and when you but like this, ben is this heaven for you when you bite into a chicken wing and there's so much meat on this wing that you have to like you know you didn't even get like a quarter of meat in your mouth like that's how much meat. yeah is yeah, on this before you even get and to the bone yeah. before you get to the bone and what this place does right and i don't think they even know that they're doing it the right way is that they must do something with the cooking of this wings where the sauce isn't just coating the wing it's like embedded within the meat mm. so they got to be doing something because yeah. the flavor is out of control it's out of control so that's the absolute pinnacle for me uh, is, wow. is this place and and next pod i will try to find the name of for any folks who live in the Westchester area, but it's right in like that Terrytown um, area. But it's okay. It's just I know where close. you are. Like yeah, you know, I know where you are. Yeah. So like, if I if this was like the play, the movie Amadeus, and Salieri yeah. is describing Mozart's symphony, um, that's how I want to describe these wings. When I'm talking about how <laughs> how beautiful it is. Um, so that's that's the high point. Honestly, Buffalo Wild Wings—they make a hell of a wing. So, like, anytime you go they to do. Buffalo Wild Wings, if um, you if you're craving, they'll they'll feed the they'll feed the craving. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then this is a flashback going back to college. I mean, Elbow Room up in up you know uh, upstate oh, New York. Great chicken. Come on now, great chicken. I still remember those wings. My Professor God. Schwartz, great Professor chicken. Schwartz. Wings. Great chicken. Yeah. Wings. Yeah. All right. Elbow. Yeah. Hey, you ever go to that Elbow Room? You got an Elbow Room? Yeah, I got great chicken wings. Ah. Me and, and uh, Charlie, way, me and Charlie get a we get a pitcher of beer and get some chicken wings. They're great. They're great, Charlie. Uh, <laughs> so, Chris, it, for me, we take our chicken wings very seriously up here. We really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is coming from Connecticut boy here. And Connecticut, by the way, you know, recently, about like past 10, 15 years, has really stepped up the wing game. Uh, Chris, you ever been to Jay Timothy's? Oh my God! You just had to bring up Jay Timothy's and play it all. Now, oh. people, people that don't know what Jay Timothy is, they have the dirty wings, meaning it's double fried. Yes. So they fry the wings, take them out, put the sauce on, fry them again, put the sauce fry on. Them again, you get these. You get these I, they must change the oil every five seconds, but like you get these wings that are so flavorful and unique and distinct. Oh, that you're just you you you're licking your fingers for the rest of the week. Yeah, you know, I mean they're just crazy. Right. So. In my mind, it really depends on, and then uh, chicken, um, Connecticut has sliders. Yep. You know what I mean? If you like different sauces and stuff, the groggy frog in Connecticut in Southington is great too. They mm. have crazy sauces. If you, Chris, while you're still in Connecticut, you ever been to the groggy frog? No. It's on this little strip. It's great. Get out there, okay. you know, while while the COVID is down, get a sitter, go out there with the lady. It's a great little place. Uh, Katie, Katie Cat uh, brought me there. Um, and then, uh, but up here in central New York, Chris, there is nothing better. You know, what we have here in central New York are, are mom and pop owned little places and you can't yeah. beat them. You can't what? beat them. The Backroads Tavern, the, the Marble Hill Inn, 
Uh, oh my god! And then up here we have Piggy Pat's Barbecue. If you want a smoked wing, that's mm. you know smoked wings are great too. If you're in the mood for that smoky flavor, little barbecue, little sauce on there, great stuff. You know you can't beat our local wing stuff. So. And even just the pizza joints up here have great wings. So if you're just in the mood, like you just order a dozen wings, you're in heaven. So I don't know, Chris. I feel like maybe we're just jaded now. Maybe we're just yeah. wing connoisseurs now, you know? Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. But anyway, Buffalo, take back the wing. Um, yeah. You guys need to to, to step up because, uh, for God's sakes, it's, it's, it's your namesake. This is what you're supposed to be doing. So figure it out, folks. Figure it out. All right, my friend. What else you got? All right, Chris, I know I talked about this last season. I don't think I brought this show back up, but I am caught up. Chris, have you checked out the Wu-Tang show yet on Hulu? You know, I'm so glad you asked this. No, I haven't I haven't checked in. It's on my list, though. It's on my list. Chris, I know I, I, I mentioned it last season. And this show, you know how Chris, you take a you take a little uh you take a little gamble on shows. You know what I mean? You roll the dice. Yep. And there wasn't a lot of press for this show. You know, I'm a big Wu-Tang guy. I got the record right here and stuff. But, you know, I just went in blind. There's not a lot of reviews. If you Google this show, there's not a lot of hype. There's not a lot of buzz. Nothing. It's a Hulu original show, but it's produced by all the members. Kind of like, uh, you know, uh, Straight Outta Compton, produced by mm -hmm. all those guys. Yep. And um, the RZA does some of the writing. He does... Uh, the music for the show, so even the background music, when it's not Wu-Tang music, it's him creating music for the show, which is always phenomenal. He's just got his hand all over the show. And, Chris, I'm on episode – we're on episode five of season two. And let me say, this last episode, we watched it twice. It was that good. Ooh. Now, Chris, you're a fan. I know you're a big fan of music biopics, right? Yep. Like, you know, Walk the Line, Ray, uh, The Queen, which was okay, but, you know, we still have to watch it. Mm -hmm. uh, Dewey Cox story, <laughs> any, <laughs> any biopic of the Beatles, anything we got, right? We'll just eat it up. Spinal tap, anything, anything to do with music. Cause I feel like when you have a biopic, including music, it's almost like a musical. It's like, all right, not only do we have to write dialogue and, you know, uh, cast it and then film it and all this stuff. Now we got to actually like either lip sync to music. Do we have the actors, you know, rap or sing? It's great. And this show has it all. It has this young cast of actors that rap the music while you're watching. And they're really good. They're extremely good. And then they'll cut to, like, the real music when they, you know, they show the studio version. But, like, man, there's – they have these actors sometimes freestyling over beats. Mm. And they'll slip in real Wu-Tang lines. And you're like, wait, I know that line. And – this show has blossomed into what I was waiting for. This last episode, Chris, I have never seen anything like it. It was probably one of the most dramatic theatrical ways to show someone creating music that I've ever oh. seen in any kind of medium. Um, you know, not to spoil anything, but when in this one episode, it's it's episode five, season two, they show Riza making the beat. They show him trying to figure out in his head which member goes where. Um, and then it shows him put on a record from like the sixties and then in a black kind of like black box stage thing, they have all the members pop up of the sixties band. Mm. And then as on the fader, as he's taking one down, they'll eliminate the guitarist. 
to oh, eliminate wow. the keyboardist. Then he'll be left with the drummer, and he's slowing and speeding up the drummer. And the actor is slowing and speeding up and looking at him. And and the actor, or the actor portraying the musician, is is looking at the RZA going, "Hey man, pick a tempo, man. I'm getting tired." And it's so dramatic and. It could have been so cheesy, but it's kind of like this revelatory kind of thing. And it just shows the genius of the RZA and the Wu-Tang and how difficult and how much time went into this record. And it was this show really takes its music very serious, not to mention the background drama and everything going on with these characters. It's all based on real stuff that happened in real life. This episode really just blossomed into what I've been waiting for. Chris, high, high, high recommendations. If I didn't recommend this show more, Chris, you got to get on this show. I'm telling you this, you know, just like when I was, you know, touting Downton Abbey, this show, there's no, there's no waiting around. It's like, oh, wait till season two for it to pick up. First five seconds of the episode one, you're going to be like, what the F is going on in this show? It's great. High recommendation, Chris. I can't get enough. Chris, uh, so you said it's on your waiting list. Is there a new show that you is coming out that you're hopeful for or something else on your waiting list that you're you're waiting to watch oh my gosh um you know i'm i'm obviously like succession i'm waiting Mm -hmm. like on pins and needles for that to come back uh because that's a show that i really really like and really got into um i gotta get into billions i haven't the new season i haven't got into it yet i haven't either i haven't either because it's not out on like this you have to actually order it you know right so that that that'll be on its way but this is actually again, you're you're reading my mind. This is actually going to lead into my next topic. Is um, it's not a it's not a new show that I've gotten into. It's an old show mm. that I've I've never watched from start to finish, and that is The Sopranos. Now, were you motivated by this new movie that came out? I I admit I was motivated. Yep. Um, and. Not, that, I mean, it's a prequel series, so it's not like you need to know everything about the show to watch the prequel and appreciate it for what it is. But um, I said to myself, I've I've seen it, before this rewatch, I probably have seen thirty percent of the show. Like I definitely watched the entire first season, uh, and after that, I was like sporadic here and there. So mm-hmm. I was like, and now it's, I've got HBO Max, the whole thing's on there, and so I've, I've started it and I'm watching it. I'm now back. I'm I'm actually in season three right now. And Ben, I am loving every second of this rewatch experience. I've already seen the pre. By the way, if you haven't seen Many Saints of Newark yet, uh, it's fantastic. Uh, I, I've already seen that. Oh movie. really? Oh, oh really? Gosh. Okay. I, I watched it. You know, the other a uh, couple days ago. It's it, if you're if you're a fan of Sopranos, if you're a fan of just mafia mob movies, um, or just good acting and drama and things like that, you're gonna love this movie. Honestly. Mm. Um, and it, it again, if for if you're someone that's never seen a lick of The Sopranos, have no idea what that show is about, you can watch Many Saints and you're fine. Like it's 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 a prequel, so it's like you know nothing nothing's pre-established. Right. So um, I had a great time. But anyway, so I'm watching rewatching Sopranos, and I'm just like uh, you know I I cannot believe a how good it is. Number one, and and it's like really. You know, this is a twenty-year-old series. Like it's, it's, right. you know, and you know, as I'm watching this, you can see, like, how this was the show that that kind of sparked everything that came after it. And, it definitely did. It definitely did. Like, you're watching it, and you're like, okay, I, I see, 
billions in this. I see mm-hmm. the wire in this. I see even something like the West Wing, which was its contemporary. I can see stuff like that in there. It's it's you know you're watching a cast doing at the peak of their powers, doing everything, reading dialogue that's just ridiculous. You know, a lot of it's Shakespearean. So you're watching this thing, you can definitely see hints of Macbeth and Richard III and oh, all this stuff. Macbeth. Yeah. Oh, and it's like the cast is brilliant. And then there's like little master strokes of casting that this show does that um, it's like, holy shit, like that was perfect. Like, you know, Stephen Van Zandt playing oh, Silvio. Like, so amazing. Had, has, if you look at his IMDb, he did nothing before The Sopranos. No. I don't know whose idea this was, but like they deserve an award for casting because he is brilliant. Um, like even l- little things like Peter Bogdanovich playing um, Lorraine Bronco's therapist in the show. Like I never th- looked at Peter Bogdanovich as an actor and I'm like, he's perfect for that role because he's so dry. He really is too. Yeah. He's so, he's perfect therapist. Yeah. Perfect. And now I'm in season three and, and, and Joey pants is in it. And I'm, oh. I'm, Losing oh, I forgot mind. about him. I forgot about him and how great he is on that he show. He's so good. And there are scenes. So it's just like you you and I are actors and we get yeah. amped when we're watching good actors act in incredible scene work with each other. And this is just all that. There's a scene in season three with Joey Pants and James Gandolfini and they're just staring at each other. And it's the most mm-hmm. uncomfortable minute of a scene I've ever experience and it's just because of these two guys and it, it makes you it, it's one of those things where you, as you're watching it you're like you you appreciate what james candle feeney brought to this character and at the same time you're heartbroken that we didn't get more from him um yeah. after the, you know obviously because he sadly passed and, and as and as a producer too, he produced the night of too, and that was his final oh, kind of master stroke yeah. as a producer. It's one of the best shows of the past like couple of years. It's like wow. But it goes and it goes back to you know what we, you and I have discussed many times is like you know I'm sick and tired of when, especially for these streaming shows and these dramas and stuff like that, you don't need to get these big A list stars no, to no. do this. Get good character actors. Like a James Gandolfini, like a Richard Jenkins, like a you know uh, you know Michael K. Uh, J- Williams, J.K. Simmons, J.K. Simmons, put him in this stuff, and they will go to town on this dialogue. And like Edie Falco, who had heard of her before Sopranos, and no one, no one. she's perfect yep. in this. Like she's, per- and then like, and you know and even when they got names for the show. Buscemi comes back, you know, comes on as uh, oh. Gandolfini's brother and stuff. And it's just right. oh, like phenomenal. Phenomenal. And so, like, I, it's just, it's a show where if someone asked me what is the, like, the greatest, like, top five, you know, hour-long dramas of all time since the, you know, cable began or whatnot, like, Sopranos, West Wing, The Wire, in that order, period. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's the list. And then, like, but like you know, you get into shows like Breaking Bad and other things. It's like you see so much of Breaking Bad in the Sopranos. It's like it started everything. And you know, the funny thing too is, like when it comes to like hard topics like drugs and violence against women and nudity and all these different things, it's like you watch a show like this and you realize how desensitized we are towards it now because with every show that's come since yeah. the Sopranos has had those 
topics and elements in it. But I can only imagine what it was like, you know, watching this show live in 2000 and seeing that much, you know, violence and nudity and all this other oh, stuff. It was shocking. It was shocking. I remember people being shocked at work when I was working and I had HBO bootleg for some reason in the apartment complex. It was awesome. And so I got into it and I remember people were shocked. Like Crazy. people were would come into work on like Wednesday staff meeting and we would discuss it and it would be like uh, people would be like I could not believe what Tony did to his sister or something you know what I mean something like that and just but even not even like the actual violence and killing it would be like when he was yelling at his sister even just yelling at violently at a woman was mm -hmm. shocking at the time it was right. something that we just didn't see like before this you gotta realize like there really wasn't hour-long dramas there was nypd blue yep but that was a cop procedural there was good guys mm -hmm. bad guys you know the cops could be a little bad here and there but it was like you know what they're still good they're still after the bad guys and or homicide life on the streets great show mm -hmm. but i think it's downfall and the reason why we don't talk about it more is it was kind of you know it's padded because it's on nbc it came out on nbc so the th it would lead you to some places that were wild, and then all of a sudden you'd be like, oh, you know, yeah. they couldn't take it past that limit. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. like an Oz or a Sopranos. Right, know? right, exactly, exactly. So, folks, um, get on the Sopranos if you can. If you've got HBO Max, um, it is it is a ride. Um, it's 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 a hard ride. But again, if you appreciate acting, if you're a theater nerd like like me. Like when you see James Gandolfini and Charles S. Dutton going toe to toe oh. in a scene, like your 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 acting nerdum goes out the window because you're just like yeah. you you start thinking to yourself, oh my god, the story is these folks, these guys must have told each other between takes. Like all, I mean, your mind goes in so many different directions when you watch actors act with other great actors that have had phenomenal careers and stuff like that. So um, get on it. Um, you know, if you love mafia films, if you love this, it's it's the epitome of of what, everything you love. I mean, half the cast of Goodfellas is in this movie for for God's sakes. Of so, course, of course. Yeah. Um, and there's by the way, I caught so many Goodfellas references, especially in the first season. It's it's hilarious um, how many there are, especially with Michael Imperioli and Lorraine Bracco in it. Um, it's it's amazing. So um, get on it, and also get like I said before, get on Many Saints of Newark. Um, it's a great okay. movie. Okay, high recommendation. All right, high re I'll check it out. Highly recommend. It's you know a lot of people. Some people said, oh, it's you know it's just a good episode, good two episodes of The Sopranos. I'm like, no, it's a it's a great mafia film, and um, and you're gonna really appreciate it. So there you go. That's it for me. Um, ben, what else do you have this week? Anything else? Uh, yeah, I got I got a couple more, but let me. All they're right. quick. Um, All right, hit me. I just, okay, ready. Uh, this quick one. Uh, well, you know, it's around Halloween, so I just want to remind everyone that Elvira is back on Shudder, oh, if yeah. I didn't mention that. Um, and she hosted a couple, like three. I think she's going to be back for more, so she was awesome. It's her 40th anniversary of, of her show, so that was really cool they got her back. And then Joe Bob's Halloween Hoedown is coming back yeah. to Shudder, <laughs> and it has Halloween Kills guests. That's the new remake that's coming out that I'm not so excited about, but it's kind of cool that he has um, some... Uh, some guests on there, and more importantly, uh, Jason Blum is one of the guests. The the Ooh. guy from the Blumhouse, the Blumhouse CEO and founder. 
Um, and, you know, Chris, I want to talk about Blumhouse because, you know, with um, help with Eli Roth picks and other stuff, Blumhouse has really become, you know, along with A24, really has mar- uh, cornered the market on horror movies. And I just mm. love how, you know, how we were, we always talk on this pod about, you know, the, the futures of movies, the futures of um, media in general, like going to the movies and stuff. But Blumhouse and A24 have really just kind of cornered the market and got people excited to go back to the theaters and watch flicks. Chris, you know, you know the Blumhouse, you know Eli Roth and all these guys. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I think, you know, I was talking to someone about, like, when I was a kid, in, uh, growing up in Connecticut, we were we had a video store, Take One Video, where I used to work, and they had seven movies for seven days for $7, right? Ooh, okay, good deal. And we would go there, we'd get some blue or purple drank from the convenience store right next door, and we'd go get seven movies. Now, you couldn't rent new releases, but we weren't interested in that shit anyway. We wanted the old-ass horror movies, and we just went down the row. I mean, we just went, like me and my friend Bill went down the row, or Sean, we just went down, yeah, 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 and we would just go back and forth, back and forth. Sometimes, Chris, one time, I remember, we burned through the seven movies, and we went back before the store closed <laughs> in one day. <laughs> So, Chris, you know, where there's a will or a way, and I think horror movies, kind of like a Roger Corman, they kind of, like, when you think that it's all done, when you think that cinema's done and Martin Scorsese's like, we got to raise our stocks, no one cares about film anymore, cheesy B-pictures, Nicolas Cage flicks, they find a way into our hearts and on our screens. So, Chris, um, you know, as it's Halloween, what's the, um, what for you, What's the state of horror movies? Are we in a good place, bad place, different mm. place? What, what's your thoughts? What's your thoughts That's on horror in general in 2021 October? That's a great question. I think we're in a state of okay. I'm gonna, you know, this is actually kind of positive. I okay. think we're in a state of exploration because I think we're trying to figure out what still scares people because. Mm. You know, you and I, in our lifetime, have seen real horror. I think people that have lived through 9-11 and other things, you know, that's real horror. So, like, how do you then, if with people that have gone through life like that, how do you still scare them? Is it, do you go overboard and you go with the extreme saw, hostile, like, gross out gory the, horror or yeah gory right right do you go the opposite direction like the early beginnings of the conjuring series where it's just simply a door opening or um, mm-hmm. a knock on the other end of the thing so i think or is it like you know is it more like social commentary horror where it's like you know you're you're thinking about certain different types of realities and whatnot so I think we're in this age of exploration with horror, which I think is exciting because it means that you get you get to be creative and and start thinking about really what is what frightens people, what scares people, what gets that that eerie feeling. And I think when when we're in this mode, just like we were kind of in the '70s with you know, the immersion of like the the Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby and all these other movies, um, that's good for horror. Um, and I think we're past, I don't know how you feel, but I think we're past that point of trying to play it safe. I think, like, yes. you know, if, we, if I hate to use the term woke, but, like, I think the woke movement in horror is past. 
we're we're beyond that now. Where and yeah, where it's all it, like all female, all main characters have to be female, and uh, yeah, right. Yeah, I think I think we're past that, which is I a think good we're past thing. that. Yeah, and now we can start playing around with what is scary, and that's why. You know, even though I, I wasn't like overly like overwhelmed with its sequel, but like that's why I like a quiet place so much because mm-hmm. you're you're trying something new. You're playing around with sound now and um things like that. I just I think are really, really interesting. And um I'm all for it. I I'm I also I'll be honest with you, I'm also kind of glad we're past the found footage wave of horror films yeah. so it's like we're, we're good even we're though good. even though i read i read a good review about um vhs 1984 that's the newest one i read a really good review about it oh god okay now i guess i guess i gotta get on that now but now um, i gotta watch that <laughs> but yeah so i think i think i think maybe not in the next year or so but i think in like the next like three four five years we're gonna see a real almost like second renaissance of the horror film and um it might not be directors like who we who we think it's going to be like the james wands or the um eli roths of the world like or you know it it, i think it's going to be you know people that you had no idea were going to come out like i'll be honest with you like you know um oh my gosh uh parasite the movie parasite yeah Yeah. had one of the scariest images i've ever seen on film like that scene where the mom, the kid's eating the cake, and he sees the guy emerging oh. from the basement. Yeah. That one shot oh. scared the bejesus out of me. So like, and we're talking one shot. So like, <laughs> like that. I think again, like we, I love directors that are playing with horror now. Um, it's a, it's a cool sandbox to play in. And like I said, go crazy with it. Go crazy with it because I, you know, yeah. I think we're going to be in a great age. What do you think? No, I, I totally agree, Chris. And, and you know, you bring up Parasite, and that's why I love horror movies in general. Because, you know, yes, I was a giant horror head when I was a kid. And it was more about, you know, the shock, like, what's the craziest shocking movie? But when you go down that road, you go into other countries. You you start watching movies that aren't in your language. You start watching wild, crazy French movies like Man Bites Dog. Or you watch, you know, Italian horror movies. You watch kind of... You know, you watch all the the Takeshi Mike movies. You know what I mean? Like I showed Katie the audition. <laughs> I, I don't think she's forgiven me yet. Mm. Um, <laughs> you ever seen the audition, Chris? Oh my gosh, have I seen the audition? <laughs> when I said uh, uh, when I told her, I was like, "Can you dress like that chick for Halloween?" <laughs> she was like, "Absolutely not." <laughs> Remember, she has like the meat gown on and the syringes. Oh. <laughs> anyway, but like. That's why I love horror movies, because it, it broadens your horizons for film in general, right? You, you travel to different countries. And like you said, James Wan, I don't know him before Saw, mm-hmm. right? And then even after Saw, he had to come out with The Conjuring and, you know, Insidious. like, And then it's like, oh, shit, this guy is, knows what he's doing. And, like, it's a great entry into – and a lot of directors got their entry into it. I mean, Francis Ford Coppola's – Dementia 13 is actually being remastered this October. I want to see that. I don't, I don't know how to Ooh. get to it or whatever. It's, I think it's coming out on Blu-ray. Um, but that's a great old creepy horror movie. It has uh, it has great actors in it. Like, you know the dude in Clockwork Orange that um, his wife gets raped and stuff, and then he has mm-hmm. his revenge on Alex? That actor's in it, and he's just this great British actor who has this voice and his very pompous voice. And it's just like this creepy horror movie. 
great. And then Francis Ford Coppola, I, I, I think he like left the flick. He was like doing that for Roger Corman. He like left it to go do The Godfather. I mean, so mm. all of these kind of like horror movie directors, that's how they get their start. They, they, you know, they prove that they have the chops and they move on. And so you get your, I feel like when you get into horror movies and you start seeing these new guys get it, there's one movie that uh, Joe Bob showed from a couple of years called uh, a couple of years ago called One Shot of the Dead. Chris, have you heard about this one? No. I believe it's a I might be messing it might be a Hong Kong movie. It's definitely not in English. Uh, I, I don't know what language. It's definitely an Asian movie. Um, but most of the film is shot in one take. And it's almost an experimental film. And there's zombies and stuff in it, but it's more of like this like weird kind of indie flick. And when you're watching this thing, it's a study in how to how to keep track of your narrative and mm. play with the narrative and time. And it must have been such a bitch to make this movie. And you're watching this thing going, <laughs> this director is an utter genius. So, like, while this one take is going on, there's another single take. I don't want to spoil the movie, but it's it's not what it seems, the movie. It's just so wild. So there's all these little movies that you get into, and then you're like, I'm going to remember that. I'm going to remember that guy's name. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. someday he's going to make the next Parasite. You know, someday he's going to be the next, you know, guy making Whiplash or something like that. So, Chris, I, I just think this I, you're you're a thousand percent correct. I think the state of horror is great. Apps like Shudder and all the streaming services like Netflix have these great horror movies or horror anthologies coming out that get people excited. And, you know, even my coworkers who aren't horror heads, they'll watch something like Clickbait that has like a little kind of horror edge to it or they'll watch like Mm -hmm. the midnight mass and they're like oh did you see that ben i'm like what are you guys watching that that's like a horror movie thing oh no it's really good because it's on netflix it's like all right all right all right but when i recommend you know the next bruce campbell where you're like oh i can't believe you're watching that stuff it's like man get out of here so (laughs) anyway so i think we're in a good place chris so that's all i had for this week so get out kids get on the shutter get on the other apps and watch some horror movies for halloween that was my my final piece yeah dude good stuff man good stuff anything else this week that's it. I'm ready to go YouTube, bro. Let's do it. What do you got this week, my friends? All right. So um, I actually wanted to talk about um, – so, you know, there's a bunch of great horror flick things on YouTube. But, you know, I went down that rabbit hole before. We're not going to do that. We're going to talk about Howard Stern, Chris. Ooh. Howard okay. Stern Show. Official, official Howard Stern Show clips. Chris, do you subscribe to the Howard Stern Show on YouTube? Of course. Now – Chris, I love Howard Stern interviews, but we can see that a lot of places, right? He, he has great right. interviews with people. He had uh, Mick Jagger. They showed actually um, little Steven was on uh, talking about Silvio on The Sopranos this week because the, you know, the, uh, the, the Saints movie came out. It was great. But my favorite <laughs> is not not the whack pack. I like the whack pack. Right. But some of them have, have died out and stuff. But the staffers, the Howard Stern staffers are my favorites. And there's a couple, <laughs> there's a couple clips I want to talk about. One is um, Howard and Robin play back to school staff stories. <laughs> I saw this one. Did you see this? And there's a couple new staffers I'm not familiar with. Uh, who's the guy? Is his name Jason? The guy that threw the desk out the second story window and jumped out or something like that? I think it was, yeah. What the fuck? And they're like, they're like, why did you do that? He's like, I did it once before and everyone laughed at me. And I'm like, <laughs> it was so weird. It was like the Richard Christie ones. And then like the one 
where the guy's rubbing his dick in Spanish class. Outrageous <laughs> stuff. I shared that around the office. Everyone's dying. Like, like my boss is like, why is everyone laughing in their office? Like, Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and then the other one I want to talk about. Wait, I want to find the actual title. Um, <laughs> how did I not like this one? What was the Chris? What was the one? What was the one where Richard Christie had the van? Yep, his van life. Um, it's just called. Wait, wait. wait. He had a, a toilet oh, for okay. a passenger seat. Richard Richard's old van had a real toilet for a passenger seat. That's the name of the clip. It's two minutes fifty six seconds, but it has to be one of the funniest things on the internet ever. Richard Christie is one. Chris, Chris, is he your favorite staffer of all time? I'm just gonna put that. Who's your favorite staffer of all time? Oh God, I'm not gonna put you on the spot right now. I've loved Richard ever since he joined the show. Like I remember what it was a. He was like, yeah, it's been like 18 years. Uh, it's like 2000. Like right when he made the transition to serious, I remember right. hearing Richard and. Just his oh. stories about living in Oklahoma and snoodling for catfish and. Uh, Gosh. And Richard's dad, oh. uh, Richard's dad calling, hey, Richard, we called a squirrel last <laughs> night. We got some good eating. Like, <laughs> he's, he's got to be. Oh I think my he's God. my favorite. I think he's, he's transcended. He he's, really is, dude. I mean, he's top. He's top. Like, I like, like, I like Sal because it's Sal. And, <laughs> like, one of my favorite Sal. Sal things ever was when they pranked him, when they, like, Howard told him that he was going to retire. And Sal started like crying because he, he he hadn't saved any money. Um, he's like, "What am I gonna do?" <laughs> ah, he's a stockbroker. Oh, he didn't save god. any money. Oh my god! And then how about when they hypnotized him and he thought his cock was gone? Oh, my cock is gone. Oh my god! <laughs> so he's up there. I mean, even though that he's, um, you know, he's not on the. <laughs> Uh, not on the show anymore. Scott, he was another one. Uh, Scott's. Oh, uh, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> um, who ended up like Scott's suing Howard Stern? I don't know if you saw that, but like, he tried to sue him afterwards, and I was like, Oh was yeah. How about uh, JD Armstrong? I like JD Armstrong. I like JD. On. And now Mamet, JD I was Mamet, great. Mamet's getting married. Like I like Mamet. He's a good dude. But like this is like the the past ten years, I think he's had the best staff of his entire run. Like I think, like I think so too. I think the yeah. staff replaced the Whack Packers. I think they really did. Oh, totally. Yeah. Who, who's your favorite Whack Packer? Um, Gary the Slow Adult is really good. <laughs> just, <laughs> just saying those words make me laugh. I love him. Wendy's great. Wendy's um, great. I love Marianne. Um, oh man, ah ah, uh, <laughs> Marianne's great. But man, who's Oh, you know, Eric. High pitch, Eric. High pitch, Eric. Oh man, I'm gonna have to go. You know, I'm gonna go. I I might have to go new new newer school. Okay. I might have to go tan mom <laughs> or underdog lady. Underdog <laughs> lady. I don't even understand what is underdog lady. Never mind <laughs> how she got on the show or how they found her. I don't understand what she's saying. Like, like every time she's on the air, she's like, Howard, I'm going to perform 
one of my dances for Jimmy Kimmel next year or something. And it's like for my 50th anniversary, 50th anniversary of what? I don't understand. I don't know what the underdog is. I think it has to be Tamam or Underdog Lee. And I know that's that's newer school. I mean, I could go Who's Hank. Going, right? I could go like, you know, High Pitch Eric or um or Ass Napkin Ed. I remember one time one of my favorite episodes, they had asked Napkin Ed on, and then they had Pete Best from the Beatles. I don't know why they were both on the air at the same time. Like I don't understand why Pete Best Agreed to be on the show. I mean, it's not like Pete Best is doing a lot, but I mean, right. the original drummer for the Beatles is on there with Ass Napkin Ed. Oh and, my God. And, and you have that Liverpool accent, and he's like, Oh, Ass Napkin, why did you use a napkin on your ass? And it's like, <laughs> it's, I don't know, man. God. Underdog Lady. I would, I would listen to an Underdog Lady podcast if she had one every week. Oh, hello, Howard. Yeah. Oh. Just... If that was her podcast, I would. It'd be it would be amazing. I would just listen to the And I don't know, years. like I've seen clips of her, but I've never really seen a lot. And I just like her voice and like when she's amazing. They, they play like audio of her like walking through a parade. Is she from <laughs> Rhode Island or something? Maybe she's, I think it's like a Rhode New Island. England thing. Maybe I'm a New Englander and I just I just support New Englanders. Oh uh, <laughs> I love it. Good stuff. As anyway, always. Chris, you got any YouTube in this week? You got anything? Just got one. Um, so yeah. every now and then, Vanity Fair does these um, great videos where they like, oh, yeah. you know, ask like an expert to like watch movies and say like how accurate this is. Um, they got a brand new one that came out a couple days ago where it's a casino cheating expert reviews card counting and casino scams from movies. So he's watching like Ocean's Eleven and Casino and all these movies. Um, that it's a great one. So if you get a chance, watch that one. Watch all of them because they're fantastic. But like this one yeah. especially is is awesome. Um, so yeah, just don't leave it at that. Um, on that end, so uh, that that's right up my alley. Oh, I see it. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, five days ago. Yeah, we're gonna watch that, dude. You're yeah. gonna watch that. It's a good. It's 23 minutes, but it's worth it. So, um, oh, all yeah, right. I'm watching that. Well, that's gonna do it for us. The the Red Sox game is about to start, so we got to get off this thing and and start the anxiety of. Chris, I know. Good luck, sir. I mean, I wouldn't have spent this last hour with any person on this earth. All right. So I I think we should do this for every major sporting event. (laughs) We definitely should. All right, folks. We'll see you right here next week on Desperately Seeking Entertainment.